0: Life audio.
1: Hey, happy rat listeners. This is your host, Barnabas Piper, here as always with Ronald J. Martin, Sand Ted. We have one of our summer schedule mishaps where we just all can't get available at the same time. So it's the two of us holding it down today. Uh, Ronnie, how you doing? Where where are you at in your travels these days,
0: dude? I'm hanging. Yeah, I'm good. Um, I'm home, so uh, not a lot of traveling until uh, next Monday, which is a trip to Wyoming with uh, 15 dudes to uh, watch them fly fish, watch them get on boats and do you know all kinds of rugged things. While I hopefully just get to sort of hang at the lodge and hike around and you know do all that kind of stuff.
1: And post whimsical things about the beauty of nature.
0: Here's the thing: there's uh, there's no Wi-Fi. That would be an impossibility.
1: Oh, but you yeah. you have a you have a note in your phone with drafts of such things for you know, right? <laughs> don't you like you you see something? It's it catches your fancy. You draft it and then you post it when the when the you know you strike while the iron is hot, so to speak.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, but I don't know they so. Word on the street, or I should say in the mountains, is that your like your phone is worthless in this place. So, I don't know, you know. still a good know.
1: camera, especially if you got that uh iPhone 14 Plus or whatever it is, 14 Pro. I think that's what I have. Does I don't the even camera,
0: know. <clears throat> Does the camera still work if there's no
1: Oh yeah. Can you, you can Yeah, when,
0: oh, okay, well, a couple
1: summers ago when I was yeah. up in uh, I was up in Canada for a fishing trip and like, you know, you're you're 700 miles from the closest cell tower. Uh, yeah. and if you were, you know, you'd still have to pay Canadian data rates and whatever still takes great pictures. So you don't worry. I'm in. Yeah. Wh- whimsy, whimsy is at your fingertips.
0: Well, now that you said that, I'm not worried. Wh- since whimsy is in my heart, it needs to be at my fingertips. And since you told me it is, I feel a little bit better about the trip now. I'll be honest with you.
1: All right. Well, I look forward to seeing those, those, uh, photos released one by one post trip. <laughs>
0: Somehow I doubt that, but I appreciate the sentiment, man. That's I appreciate you being kind right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we've got, uh, we've got a couple of great topics today, including one uh, very much about social media and a new social media platform that launched. So let's take a quick break, and then we will come back and talk about threads. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. All right, so maybe a week ago at this point it's hard to tell a week ago from the yeah. time of this recording, um, an app called Threads dropped, and it uh you know it's, it's it's from Meta, which was Facebook, the kind of the parent company and it's it's functionally a competitor to Twitter and uh, yeah, you know I have a lot of thoughts and opinions on this. I've been trying it out, but I want to hear your kind of how how you decided to get on it how you're using it, first impressions. And then I have some very specific questions about the, the general tone of this thing and and how people are yeah. describing it as sort of the savior of social media, as far as I can tell. So what, uh, what was your kind of initial impression
0: and how did you get on it and all that? Yeah, well, I mean, I just, it was like everybody else. I think I just woke up to it on a Monday or whenever it dropped, you know? And so, you know, everybody on Twitter's talking about it. And, um, you know, I'm already on Instagram. So obviously it was, it was easy just to kind of go to it and then sign up for it through Instagram. So it was literally, I think like two clicks to like, quote, get on it and then be a part of it. And, um, so if something's that easy, you can either choose to use or not use it. So I just got on it, started scoping it out, um, so I like that part of it. I was just trying to get my head around it. It felt, you know, like everything on first glance, it's like, wait a minute, what am I looking at here? But then as slowly as you're looking at it, you know, it starts to make sense. It's kind of a quasi Twitter. And I think for me personally, I, I've always been like a super, super um, with, with you know, with the, the three or four like major social media apps, I've always been way late to the game on these things. And so I'm like, oh, wow. So I, I'm actually like, I'm actually here on the first day, opening night, you know, like I've arrived, you know, at Threads. So I thought like, well, that's interesting. That's never happened before. So I was intrigued uh, on it. I was intrigued because it was so easy to get on. It was the first day and I wasn't a latecomer. And then also, you know, we'll get into this, I'm sure. But also the, the the thoughts that came after, which was, what did I just do? Why am I doing this? And what is the point?
1: Oh yeah, it's. I you know it is funny because you know it with with other social. I mean, when social media was launching, you had the opportunity to be an early adopter. And with this, like, I guess you and I are early adopters. But like, is it early adopter if all you do is click one button and it just imports Instagram into this? (laughs) You know, you're just like, well, I mean, maybe not. I didn't. I thought adoption took a little bit more uh, commitment than that. This.
0: And sometimes a lot of money when it includes a human child,
1: but yeah, um, or yeah, or a pet, point. which I you know I consider that more <laughs> of a purchase than an adoption. But still, um, yeah, I, I so I had kind of the similar thing where I, I, I didn't you know I had I had heard nothing about this thing launching. I don't know if they if it was just like they surprised us all or or if I just have been out of the loop because I have been I, I'm probably as disengaged with social media now as I ever have been in the last you know ten or fifteen years. But so I wake up to it. I see this thing. I see the other people who are joining kind of their initial response. And I'm like, okay, worst case scenario, I do what I did with uh, Snapchat like eight years ago where I sign up, I take 30 seconds to look at it and go, nope, not for me. Um, but I joined yeah. it and I was like, this, this feels like the early days of Twitter in terms of the simplicity, mm. the the cleanliness, it, the, the design is awesome. And then I very quickly realized, I mean, this has got to be like a beta version because there are no features. You can't really, you can't really, you know, figure out who you're following and all this stuff.
0: Yeah. it's I was
1: was basically like, well, if I can get a year of decent Twitter out of this versus the certain, you know, the the current dumpster fire of, of, you know, present day Twitter, I'm like, cool, I'll give it a shot. It's no, it's not hard.
0: Yeah. But what I realized
1: really quick, and maybe you've seen the same thing, two things. One is the sheer number of people who have bailed on Twitter, like people who I like and respect, who are now yeah. on threads and using it pretty actively. So I think like Ray Ortland and Jackie Hill Perry and Jasmine Holmes and, and a whole bunch of people who were just like, Twitter is negative, it's abusive, it's mean, I'm leaving, which yeah, is probably. understandable. And, but now they're all over this this platform, which is fun. And the second thing that I noticed is the general sense of like, everybody's like, this is such a more positive place. This is such a more decent place that's not so vitriolic. There's no porn here. And and my thought was, I mean, I don't know if this, this is cynical or, or realistic. My thought was, give it two weeks. <laughs> like people are people, it's still human users. You know those people you know if if there are if there are people who are putting bots out there to uh you know to spam everybody, they just haven't figured it out yet what how have you seen the same thing in terms of sort of this this over this overwhelming positivity, and then what has your thought been on that front?
0: Yeah, so you know I think everything you said is valid, so i the positivity I think comes from instagram Instagram has always been more positive. You know, people just post photos. Yeah. It's just, a, it's a little friendlier. So I think that the spirit of IG just kind of has, you know, transferred over to the threads. And so, so that's cool. That's nice. Um, I definitely, it definitely feels a little more like that. I think, you know, the ability to not follow the people you want, but you're seeing everything has, has kind of put a damper on, I think is, you know, kind of making it as fun as it could be. And even as positive as it could be, so I yeah. But I think I think it's just that spirit of Instagram is kind of is kind of transferred, and I think there's there's a lot of hope that it could remain that way because we've seen it that way on Instagram. Instagram has kind of remained that way. So um, I guess it's like anything else, pipe. It's like I guess we can just when something is new and shiny, you know, when you get that new car, you know, in a year. It's going to have dents on it. It's going to get, a, it's going to begin to get a little rusty and that, you know, things are going to need to be replaced. But I guess we can just enjoy it in the moment as being new and shiny and beautiful. Obviously, it's going to turn into what it's going to, going to turn into. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know, Pipe. I think we, this is, okay, so I kind of got a follow up question with that because I think, you know, I, I think Twitter for I think we are a little more together on our view of Twitter, which is, you know, you can, it, I, I believe it's, it's uh, this is my opinion, but I believe it's, it's not as hard as some people make it out to me to ignore all the bad stuff on Twitter. You know, tw- I am not full of angst being on Twitter every day. I don't get into debates and arguments and, you know, I don't have a bunch of people saying horrible things to me and about me on Twitter and, and I, I think there I think if you're, a, I think if you're a, somebody with a huge platform, you man, you're, you're right for that. I mean, that just comes with the territory. And then I think you can be a type of personality that kind of invites that and, and you know, kind of welcomes that and, and, and kind of likes that while you're complaining about it. But I don't, I don't see you engaged in with Twitter like that. Just like I'm not engaged with Twitter like that. So, um, in that sense, I mean, Usher uh, uh, Threads feels like. Uh, it feels like it's, it's ushering in, um, something that I don't know, isn't going to feel a whole lot different for me, even though I can see that it's different for a lot of other people, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you on the Twitter front. I think, I think there is something to be said for, um, a lot of the people who find Twitter very negative. It seems like there's sort of two camps. There's people who, and I don't mean this as a pejorative are just more sensitive. You know, they, they. When they see nastiness, it really hits home. Whereas it really hits them, yeah. I'm pretty sure. jaded to it. And so if somebody is, is it, <laughs> you know, an utter jack wagon to me, I'm just like, and mute. And uh, the other thing is, you and I are not subject to sort of that, the, the attacks that yeah that women get in their dms and and, and, you know just sort of some of the 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 super sexualized stuff the super misogynistic stuff and we're not minorities and so you know all the racial stuff so we're just protected by our existence from some of those things which which i i completely understand you know i i don't personally see that stuff but when somebody i trust says yeah it's daily you know there are daily comments about race there are daily comments about sexuality and gender that stuff, I I go, yeah, I, I think I might duck out of like, why would I voluntarily subject myself to that? So, yeah, you know, agreed, if, agreed. If Threads figures out how to do a better job of of policing that, you know, because like Elon Musk, basically, you know, his version of free speech is, uh, you can be as hateful as you want. Pretty, you hateful. know, like there's yeah. there's no breaks on this joint. And so if Threads is like no we're going to cut down on abusive speech of any kind you know that would be beneficial and then my yeah. hope is that they also keep the algorithm such that what they prioritize is what people select rather than what they're promoting but of course that's not how money is made right, I will exactly. also go out there go out on a limb and say you know they people have been like it's a porn free site i'm like no it's not It's, it's a hundred percent not it's, you know, maybe there aren't like the porn bots that are following, but when I scroll through the sort of everything feed, it's not that different than Instagram in the, like there are still a whole bunch of women who are basically, you know, posting scantily clad pictures and inviting you to follow them. And, you know, you can mutant block Mm -hmm. and whatever, but like it's there because that sin still exists in the world. I think that the thing that, that, that is fascinating to me most of all is the immediate desire and maybe self delusional belief that people have that we can do better. Like, you know what I mean? The, the like, it's this new yeah. thing, it's gonna be so much better than the old thing. And I, I, I just don't see the world that way. My sense is that every new thing becomes the old thing. And maybe that's not very Christian of me. So, you know, pastor me on this one. Like, am am I overly cynical (laughs) or am I just or am I an early adopter of of where this thing is going?
0: Well, I think it's just I think you can have a realistic take on what you just said. And you can say, hey, you know, things tend to decay and we've seen it on every other platform. So it would seem it would be naive maybe to think that it wouldn't happen with threads um kind of going back to what i said a minute ago though i you know we can enjoy it for what it is in the moment that we have it which is it everybody's trying really hard it's new and it's it's nicer it's a little shinier we don't have dents yet you know um we don't have to replace the brakes yet we don't have to bring it to you know we don't have to get the oil changed quite yet um so it's still running off that but yeah i I'm with you. I don't think we have to be mad about it. I think we can say, you know, there's a good chance that that this thing is is not going to be as quote unquote great as it is, you know, on the first day that it that it that it um, that it releases. But um, I I think going off of what you said, though, this is this is what I find and it's attached to what you said. More amazing is I felt like there were some people that were like they were they were thrilled Taking the optimism that you just name checked, they were thrilled to the point of like, I like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe this. They they were like excited and thrilled and happy to the point that it was almost like they were in, they were embracing the app almost like it was a person or a, or a best friend or a long lost you know relative that they reunited with. Like to me, they were giving it like a level of like glee and happiness and importance that I thought, hey. I don't know that any app should warrant this level of just like all like almost like pre-devotion because it's like, it's just an app, you know, like it it shouldn't be that important in our lives. It can be important. It can be something we like, we really enjoy. It can be something that really enhances our lives. It can be something that actually even changes our lives, affects our lives. But like, I, I feel like there was a level of like importance that some people were putting on it to the degree where I go, well, I... I almost think like we're not even talking about the right thing. We should almost be talking about our relationship with these apps anyway, which I know gets talked yeah. about ad nauseum. But it's like, hold on, like you—I mean, you are just like you are way too delirious, like over this whole thing. Did you did you catch that?
1: Oh yeah, and 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 I think in some people's case, it's like I, I saw you know people who really missed being on Twitter. You know, they missed the days of Twitter when when interaction was less. You know. And I will say this, like there are a lot of things that I don't post on Twitter that are that are pretty innocuous because I'm like, I just don't want to deal with the crap. Like everything gets well yeah, actuallyed yeah. so I'm just like, wow, well, I'm gonna keep that opinion to myself. Uh or I'm gonna have a conversation rather than post it on here. I think there's a lot of people who yeah, miss the, the 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 halcyon days of happy Twitter. Um and uh and so this to them is like ah oh, we've got it back but but the uh, but but to what you were saying there was also an attitude of you know you ever see like a 6-year-old who gets a walkie-talkie for christmas <laughs> and they're just like this thing has changed my life. I can now talk to my friends from a hundred yards away. You know, we can we sneak. I mean, it, it has created a universe for them of adventure in backyards and whatever. It has that vibe to it, except that these are like 50 year olds or, you know, 32 year olds. And you're like, it's, like the walkie-talkie it's going to end up in the dustbin in the garage at some point like it's just or in a bin like just you know with cobwebs on it like you're gonna have to duck the brown recluse to dig it out kind of thing and uh it but it had that vibe to it where you're kind of excited for them, and it all, you're also like oh boy you're going to be disappointed you're going to want another new thing in a certain amount of time if you use it well it's useful and I don't know. I yeah, I realize right. I sound very grumpy a... and cynical. I think I think my said, my general take. Well, yeah, I mean, on brand. Grumpy brand
0: type. You're sounding like yeah. grandpa right now, but
1: I. But like my my general take on social media is that, and, and and this includes wise Christians, which is what baffles me. People look to the next step in it as as an improvement. You know, it's it, it, and I'm like a moral improvement, a tone improvement, a positivity improvement. And I'm like, based on what? What evidence do we have that billionaires creating platforms to make money off of people is going to create a more positive environment? I that's I don't know. I I'm and again, I'm using threads. I'm enjoying threads to to a degree. You know, it's kind of a, a casual like, yeah, this seems fun, but. I I am, I am so thrown by the like overwhelming positivity that I've seen where people are just like, this is, this is what I've been yearning for kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I think that's what I was kind of driving at. I think it's just, and I think it's kind of the, it's a moment we're in right now where a lot of us hide out on social media and it's, it's become way too, it's become like a bigger part of our lives than it was. It, you know, than I think it should ever be intended to become. <laughs> and I think, Amen. you know, it, it, yeah, I mean, it just, it just has, you know, I mean, again, I'm not saying anything new or brilliant, but, you know, I think just gauging from, again, just some people's public, public opinion of it. I, I just, I think I was kind of thrown for that. I mean, and to your point, which is just this sense of like, well, like should we like wisdom would tell us to sort of be cautious like we can be optimistic but be cautious and you know we you know we, we both we can hold both those things in tension you know and and I think I think for something like this given what we've learned about all the previous platforms or apps you know we should probably we should probably do that right Um, And it just shouldn't be that, you know, the thing is, like, you and me, like, we're on these apps a lot, you know, Um, and again, depending on the day, you know, um, it it depends, right, the percentage of time we spend, but we generally, we generally are on these on on a pretty steady basis, you and I talk about things, hey, did you see that? Did you see that? You know, there's, we have, you know, we have some, maybe some weeks we're not on as much, but we have a general, like, uh, attachment to these apps and yet like they just they cannot become the thing that sort of like um, motivates you and moves you and inspires you and depresses you and it, they they can't yeah. be they can't be held accountable for like our our very like life and being
1: yeah know? or like and the lit- you know yeah the litmus test for how humanity is doing i mean i'm just i'm always baffled when i take a step back you know i spend I spend an evening hanging out with the elders of our church, or our friends from small group, or even just like our neighbors. You yeah. know, many of you know people who aren't believers, and just real human interactions. And the the vibe I get in those situations is both way more complex, and generally, I come away feeling pretty good. You know, this is a good yeah. human interaction. And then you know, you use social media as the litmus test, and you're like, oh, humanity is waging war and is and is going to tear each other's throats out and i'm like well i don't ever have those interactions in person ever right exactly and so yeah. it, there's the yeah when 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 we lean too heavily into these things it totally skews our perception of all of reality uh, i want to i want to end our, our conversation about threads with one observation and ending on a positive note which is yeah. i will say this for threads it is a platform where you can purely have fun. You know, it, it is no longer safe to post jokes on Twitter because humor is dead on Twitter. It's not dead on threads. You can be snarky, you can make random observations, you can be humorous. You can even poke jokes about the church because all the, all the angry conservative folks haven't found their way to threads yet. so yeah, humor lives, and, uh, and that I find I have found a, a good amount of enjoyment in.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, what, I mean, so I think we can, and that's good. That's a good way to end it. And and I'll just add, um, you know, hopefully sort of that Instagram spirit will like kind of remain alive in it. It's not going to be perfect, but it is is—it is just going to be a little more, like you said, a little more optimistic. Everybody's showing a little more grace. Everybody's wanting to be, a, you know, a little more forgiving. So that that's a good thing.
1: All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and we will come back with a, with a question about preaching, and particularly a uh, a phrase that you and I were discussing recently that came up in terms of kind of a, a a manner of preaching. So let's take a quick break, and then come back and talk about that. All right. So a couple of days ago, uh, I reposted something on on Threads, I think, and uh, and on Instagram. Uh, It was a repost of, I think, Jackie Hill Perry, who made a comment about um, basically comparing, like, getting cute in preaching and trying to preach a series of sound bites versus, and to to use the phrase that she used, flat-footed preaching of the gospel, which is a phrase that I, you know, that I love. I don't use it often because it doesn't sound quite right coming from me, I don't think, but I love the, the, the tone and the meaning of it. So I reposted this, said, I love this phrase. You texted me like, I don't know, 10 minutes later and said, man, I've just had a bunch of conversations with friends about this, or this has come up in conversations. Tell me about those conversations and your sort of interactions with flat footed preaching.
0: Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't so much, it wasn't so much conversations. It was, I was, I was seeing other people post about it Okay, and I wasn't, I wasn't exactly like I knew what they meant, right? Because they would always explain it. So it was something where they would say, you know, kind of like that Perry uh, tw- uh, post, which was, "Hey, you know, can we just?" There, it was almost a sense of this this sense of like, um, you know, uh, you know, the, some of the preaching that we've been subjected to over the last however many years, which is just we want everything to be quotable. You know, it's almost like you know, we our sermons sound like you know, uh, just a sort of a collection of like you know, fifty tweets because we want everything to be kind of dramatic and clever and sound ultra sage and super wise. And I think, and I've heard some people kind of talk about this, this idea of flat footed preaching, which is like, you know, can we just, can we just, how about just like preaching the word? And it can just be very simple. It can be very straight. It doesn't have to, we don't always have to try to impress with knowledge and we don't even have to try to be overly clever, you know, just say things very simply the way scripture says these things. And we we can make it less about ourselves and maybe there needs to be a return to that because we're getting a little tired of, you know, of, of some of these other things that, that kind of go in the opposite direction. So when you said that, I was like, OK, I'm hearing this word come up and I'm wondering if, you know, like things go in cycles and things go in trends. And so I was just curious, you know, like it kind of piqued my mind. Like is this is this tree. the new
1: gospel centered? Is Jared Wilson going to become like <laughs> the, the flat footed life um that kind of thing is that is that where you i think, pro- I, think I think
0: jared c is a flat-footed preacher which is so funny because he's 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 a good preacher and he just he keeps it very um he's very organized he's not overly clever i mean he, he would be the definition of that you know he's, he's a good he just kind of preaches the word he has really good insights he's not trying to trick anybody he's not trying to get gasps out of anybody yeah and, um, and so I, he really would be the definition of that. Probably so would Jackie O'Perry and, you know, some of these other people that, that are, you know, that are good speakers and preachers. And we, you know, but um, but yeah, but in terms of just kind of name checking it and, you know, because, you know, Pipe, we've talked about this, like, you know, sort of this bombastic preaching from the Driscoll era where everything is loud and sarcastic. You know, we've, we we kind of name checked that and we moved on from that. And maybe, maybe you know, with this this Keller era of preaching, and again, Keller was very flat footed, so I'm not saying that. But just more of this, like, hey, we're we're trying to maybe come up with concepts that are, I don't know, they they can they can they can go into they can go in in a in in a, uh, areas or directions that are maybe a little too vague or a little too overly clever, and and do we need to turn another corner with it? I don't know.
1: Yeah. So I I ran into I think. I've heard the phrase over the years, and the context has always been from a faithful black preacher. So I think the phrase "flat-footed preaching" is one that is 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 more to kind of a a traditional use in the black church, and it's a designation between like, are you just throwing the gospel clarity about Christ, about obeying Scripture, right down the center, or are you getting cute? Or are yeah, you yeah. are you, you know are you diverging from that and you're you're inspirational you're cute you're making eyes on you instead of eyes on on Christ that kind of thing and uh, you know I'm at I'm at Grimke and the president of Grimke is a, a guy named Doug Logan who's a you know I've known Doug for a long time and wonderful preacher great professor hilarious man and this is one of the things that he is constantly urging the students there is to preach. A flat footed gospel to use his phrase. Basically just okay, yeah. clear no no bones about it. The kind of the kind of boldness and clarity that will offend some people because the message is offensive, that kind of thing. Like you just nobody comes away wondering who you're with, where you stand or what you mean. And uh and which which fits really well with what with what uh Jackie said in her post about kind of getting cute and being sound bites where people come away with a lot of quotes and no point and uh so yeah i just i think it's fascinating that that this phrase has has made its way into um you know in into the circles that you run in which are you know largely yeah. w- white not traditional black church uh and yeah but, yeah but i love i love the image of it just because you know you picture somebody who's just standing there and just speaking directly at the congregation instead of sort of i mean You even think like the physical mannerisms, and I'm going to throw out some names here because that's what we do on this podcast. You think back to like Rob Bell. Rob Bell was always like tiptoeing around the stage and gesticulating and hands all over the place. And like it felt very uh, kind of interpretive dance meets uh, metaphorical message (laughs) kind of thing. It's Even the way he preached was like the opposite of flat-footed in terms of he's getting cute. And, you know, you see yeah. some of the same things with like Furtick, you know, I, I had this having this conversation with somebody recently and I realized, you know, it's, it is, it's not, uh, it's not kosher these days to, to draw lines. But I was like, they were like, they didn't really know who kosher uh, who Furtick was. And they're like, what's the deal here? And I was like, he, he doesn't, he doesn't preach a gospel that just points people to Christ. It's a lot of inspirational, this empowerment, that you are the David to the world's Goliath kind of thing. Right, yeah. Yeah, and and then I think about you know somebody like Doug Logan or uh, this guy named Robert Smith or like my dad, and I'm like, you never yeah. come away from a sermon wondering what their point was. You might not have followed everything with my dad because it got complex, but like he was throwing it right down the middle, and he was just standing there
0: chucking it. Yeah, no, totally. I think you know that was going to be my question, which was like, you know, like who do we and I know Rob Bell's kind of an old example, but like, who do we think of? And, and Furtick, I think is good where, you know, um, wh- like what, what are some modern examples or even style, like even maybe if not even a person just stylistically that we can think of. that's like, yeah, this is a person that's just, it's just, they're, they're trying to be overly clever. It doesn't mean the gospel never comes through. It just means that to listen to them, Is not to walk away with like a deeper knowledge, affection, um, and longing for Christ. You know, which is again, we would say that's gospel center preaching, right? But like, but like, what what do we what like what are we seeing like sort of popping up in evangelicalism now that would even make a Jackie Hill Perry like you know uh, you know post something like that? Yeah, I think she's in a unique
1: position because she you know she she's obviously like. When she stands up and speaks and preaches, she is doing so with with clarity and force, you know, from Scripture. But she gets invited to speak at conferences and events that have a ton of sort of like positive, inspirational speakers, and so it's sort of it's like a it's like the Lacroix of Christianity. There's like hint of Christianity in the air, and then a lot of yeah self self um self-fulfillment kind of stuff, self, you know, I am enough type of stuff. And, you know, and that's, I'd say, you know, if, if we're going to divide along gender lines, like that is very prominent in kind of a lot of the women's speaker stuff, but it's really prominent in a lot of the leadership space as well, um, which, you know, folk focused on, which is probably, probably going to be more dominated by men. And again, yeah, so you yeah. get like Christian leadership authors, and it's a lot of this, Hey Amen. What a Christian CEO needs to hear is not, you know, just sort of seven principles to be the savviest leader, but also like greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. <laughs> you know? like There's, there's yeah, a, yeah, there's yeah. a flat footed clarity, so to speak. And, uh, and so I think, I think she's probably coming at it from that perspective where she just sees, you know, in the publishing world and the speaking world, a lot of this, like, If you follow that person's message all the way to its conclusion, you don't end up in dependence on Christ. You end up in dependence on yourself, thinking that Christ is sort of sprinkling on some some Holy Spirit fairy dust or something.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's good. And I think, you know, it's so funny, too, because it's like, you know, we have this tendency as human beings where, you know, if you are doing any kind of public speaking, or writing or communication or preaching, or whatever it is, like whatever the medium is, where like your words, people are listening to your words and then they get to form an opinion about not just your words, but even the manner in which you communicate those words. You know, it's like anything else. Like, I mean, I I want people to think I'm a good speaker and I want people to walk away going, wow, I never thought of it like that. And wow, that was a deep insight. And hey, gosh, I've never heard anybody phrase it like that. And so like, it's just natural to want people to like say that I'm impressed by you that, that, that was good, you know? And so, and I think the tendency in preaching, you know, it's like, because we're human beings, you know, th- that tendency to want to elevate ourselves and make ourselves look like, Hey, I actually wrote these words when it actually, it's like, actually you didn't write any of those words. And if you're doing it right, people really know you didn't, you know? Um, but there's that human tendency that ego, that pride, that is just like, we have to like, we've got to be hitting against that. We've got to battle against that. Um, because, you know, you know, you know, people walking away thinking we are awesome is not the point of any of our sermons or public speaking.
1: Yeah. You know? Well, I, I think, to you know, the, the, the critique that I just gave kind of looks at a a subset of, of public Christianity that I'd say you and I are kind of, we're not really, we're not really part of that. We're but not. To no, look I know. At, I get it. To yeah. look at our camp, the more reformed world, the same critique applies, but it. it But instead of sort of being gospel vague and gospel, uh, you know, kind of self-focused, it's, you know, even like you take some of the messages that have been preached at some of the most prominent pastors conferences that, you know, that we would have gone to or Mm -hmm. I used to go to in publishing. A lot of those messages are not a flat-footed gospel because they're so complex, they're so intricate. They're basically an exegetical lecture that the point that people yeah. come away from is more like, "Oh, this verb is in the aorist tense," not, you know, "Jesus is amazing" or "as a pastor I'm dependent on him" or "this is the character of Christ" or 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 or. And uh and so the they, the same problem applies and the heart that you just said I think is this is the same problem because you know, instead of looking cute, there's an effort to look brilliant. Look smart, and, yeah. And you know, it, instead of instead of making people go ooh, you make people go oh, mm-hmm, yeah. And then you know, they write down complex notes, and the and the point is still missed. So you actually get you get caught in the depths instead of caught in the kind of vagaries.
0: Yeah, you get caught in the wrong depths, right? You get you get caught in the depths yeah. of sort of the verbiage and sort of the uh, sort of the, the wordplay of the speaker more than you do in who that they're actually proclaiming and speaking about allegedly, you know? So yeah, no, I think that's good. I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think our tribe is any less, you know, um, you know, I I don't think we're able to stand back and go, yeah, it's all of them over there. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's rooted out of human nature and what, whatever side of it you come at or come out of with, you know, on it, it's, it's the same old problem, which is that I want to, I want to increase the, the increase, decrease (laughs) percentage is flipped. Right. And that's the problem at the end of
1: the day. Yeah, and it I I have found I have found that that encouragement from, you know, from Doug Logan and others like him has been very formative yeah. as, you know, as I as I preach. Just because it it does perpetually pull the mind back to uh clarity over impressiveness, clarity over mm-hmm. uh cuteness and and when people walk away who is their biggest impression of, you know, and if, and if it's of me, maybe they listened wrong. Probably I preached wrong. You know, I, I I preached in a way that, that put eyes on me rather than pointing eyes where they ought to be.
0: Yeah. And and maybe not, you know, I mean, I, I, so, you know, the, the, you know, our fans don't know this. I mean, I saw you preach, uh, let me make you uncomfortable here for a minute pipe i saw you preach a few weeks ago we were we were on the road traveling stopped in at emmanuel and, and saw you preach and you know i mean it was very flat footed preaching and i think you you caught that balance where um you you did say some i would say some some rather profound things but you also um you also it was very on the ground though it was very earthy it was very like you know i'm, I'm giving you i'm giving you examples I'm drawing out implications and applications that are, these are just the things we faced on di- you know, this is life for us, you know, cause a, a sermon has to be, you know, it has to be rooted in, in the life we actually live, not even in the life we hope to live, you know, it, it has to be rooted in the life we actually live so that the life we hope to live can, can be become more true of, of mm-hmm. who we are as we're being sanctified, you know? And it's like, and you did that, you know? And, um, and so, um, you know, and somebody could also walk away Um, Because, you know, it's not only preachers that are human, um, it's people listening are human too. So they they can also draw things from preaching that um, they they need to, they need to question themselves. In other words, you can be so enamored with somebody as a speaker or a preacher that it's not their fault that you are not getting the Christ that they're preaching, you know? And so it goes both ways too.
1: Yeah, I I mean, my dad being who he is, I saw that a lot. I saw his frustration at that kind of behind the scenes because, oh, he, you know, there's this sort of psychotic fandom that some people have totally. to, to their great expense, because he would get up and preach from Romans 8, you know, which, you know, this and maybe the one of the most theologically rich passages in the Bible. And what people would leave going was, I can't, you know, can you believe how John said this and John this and John that? And, you yeah, know, they would come yeah. to the church just for him. And, you know, God uses people, you know people go to conferences to hear particular preachers, but man that uh that comes at the expense of the listener often
0: yeah, for sure
1: all right, I got one more question for you that we'll take quick at the end, but let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about uh talk about some book things real quick, so let's take a break. All right, last question of the episode and this is one of those sort of speculative ones reading the marketplace, looking at the the preponderance of of stuff that's been published and the question is just this, what Christian books need to be published now? You know, what what are we missing? Because uh because it feels like I can't I can no longer keep up with what all is being released. Um There's good books coming out. There's terrible books coming out. It's hard enough to sort between those. What still needs to be published? And I'm not doing market research on what I should write next because I'm not writing anything for a while, I don't think. Just kind of looking at it and going, I don't know, man. This, boy, has the world changed on the book front.
0: I mean, you know, my first thought when you asked that was, I mean, it you know, again, this is going to be overstating it, but has it all been written? You know, like, I feel like if I, if I desire a book on literally any topic related to any part of my faith, I think I'll be able to kind of find it. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like there's, there's just such a, um, there's a lot of books, you know, being written right now. And, um, you know, uh, there's probably a million different reasons for that, you know, but I think um, I, I think a lot of people, a lot of writers. Uh, so here's a way to spin it positively: is that there's a lot of writers that have freedom to probably write write about and tease out some things that maybe publishers wouldn't have been so willing to publish years and years ago, and and now and now you know some of those things that may have been controversial 30 years ago are are allowed to sort of like be released and be thought through and considered it just seems like it just seems like there's there's everything right now you know um it's almost <laughs> like asking like what food do you think needs to be you know created that's not out there for us to eat it's like uh, i i don't know it, it seems like it seems like it's all there somewhere it's all there you know yeah i um, mean that's it's- that's probably like really limited and ignorant but I, I don't know i never so even the stuff that i'm writing i it's like i'm just trying to write something that interests me i i never once would i say Oh there's nothing else like this written you know what I'm saying it's just <laughs> no, no one I mean, has ever achieved is. these heights No I would mean, yeah, say that you can write you can write certain things at certain times of which haven't been tapped in a while so uh, here's a weird plug and I don't ever do this but we just released a book called Pastoring Small Towns that market is not that, that there is that, that market is not full right now um, people have written books about pastoring small towns um, but uh, as that movement is is starting to take shape and grow and build a little bit, there it, it is not overloaded right now. There's not a million books to go get about that topic. Of course, that doesn't mean it hasn't. It just it, it's it's like it's it's narrow right now. So yeah, that's kind of nice. That's kind of nice. But it doesn't mean you can't find something else.
1: Yeah. Well, I think what you just said is, is informs how I think about this. Which is, um, if you think about it in terms of what has never been written, you should not write a book. Because you will, you will write something so obscure, so, you know, useless. Now, if you write, what what is outdated? What is there not something currently useful on? So, like, an area yeah. that I think, you know, th- there have been so many books published on it and very few good ones is, like, masculinity. Oh, yeah. You know, that's one where, like, yeah, I could probably name 10 books on manhood, almost none of which would I put in the hands of a 24-year-old guy who's like, I want to be a godly adult male, you know, I want to, I want to understand masculinity in terms of God's design, but not in terms of like cultural, you know, expectations, good or, you know, conservative or progressive, whatever. There's not a lot out there on that, um, that I'm aware of. So it's, it's, and like your book, uh, is it called, is it called pastoring in small towns or small town pastor? What is the actual title? It's
0: just called pastoring small towns.
1: Pasturing small towns. Okay. So yes, yeah, stuff has been written on that. Not a ton. And also small towns in twenty twenty three are very different than small towns in nineteen ninety four or nineteen seventy one or nineteen fifty two. And so the you know, the internet has changed the world and urbanization has changed things, and so you're writing to a a changed context. So that yeah, you know, current re- your book might not be relevant in five years but it might be incredibly helpful for the next five years it's it's one of those kinds sure. of things so yeah I'm, I'm you know when i think about it i i think like when i worked in publishing i noticed that there would books would come in waves you know there would yeah, be yeah. Uh, two or Which three trend. books on yeah, yeah. two or three prominent books on marriage you know like paul Tripp's and tim right. keller's and like my dad's all came out within kind of a, a window of time you know so there's. Trips was, I think it originally was called, What Did You Expect? It's now just called Marriage. They, they re- retitled it. Um, then The Meaning of Marriage by Keller. And then, um, honestly, I can't remember my, my dad's, but marriage book. And uh, and uh, and then, so we kind of don't need any more for a little while. But we're coming to the place where we do need some because sure, while yeah. those are still good, like relevance and newness introduces Newness introduces old truths in new ways, and so that's beneficial. Yeah. So you know, it's beneficial to have books on ma- manhood and marriage and some of these kinds of things. I think uh, I think re-releasing old stuff, you know, knowing God yeah. could probably be re-released every totally. four years just to put it at the put it at the front of the yeah. line. Although yeah, I think IVP timeless. is doing a lot of that. They're they're taking some of those classics and re-releasing them, which I which I love. Are there are there any, like, when you think about your congregation, what's a book you would like to put in their hands that you're like, there's not anything really
0: good out there on this? Oh, man, that is such a, that's actually a really good good question. Because we have a library at the, at, the, uh, at the church that we just, you know, we try to fill up with good stuff and people can just sort of take it as they want. And um, so, you know, we try to have all the, you know, I don't know, what we consider to be, you know, good authors and, you know, classics like Knowing God and, and things of that nature, but yeah, gosh, that, that's a really I I wish um what I would like our people to read more of is is stuff that um is is a little more controversial right now. Um that I think you know we actually have in our bookstore and there there would be a shyness, maybe a, a resistance to reading, you know, things like Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisbe, you know, things that have become controversial over the last few years. But that, you know, from even a historical perspective are are really good, super helpful. Um, I, w- I would like our people to dive a little more into those types of books. And there there are, there, there's a lot, a lot of those books have been written over the last few years. And I think, you know, a lot of them are are good. Um, I've, so I would just like them to delve into some of those, those books that have already been written that, you know, in our circles, um, you know, which is small town, mid-Ohio, 98% Caucasian. There's there's not getting a lot of play, you know. We're making them available, but they're not they're not being utilized. So I would like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's that 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 is, and context is so important on that because I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, he's a he's a black guy, pastor, uh, pastor on the East Coast for a while in a in a really um, diverse church, you know, multi ethnic, and he said that yeah. some of those kinds of books were not helpful in his context because because of the those issues sat at the surface, so like the education or the awareness piece of issues of like the, the history of racial injustice in the church, yeah, yeah, kind of didn't need to be a front and you know center issue as much as like how do black and white people and some Hispanic people worship really well together because that's what we're trying to figure out on Sundays. And so you know, context is really that important on this. I I, yeah. I think about uh, I think about our context in in Nashville you know, younger church, you know, a lot of young families. We, I, I don't need, you know, that's our median age. is probably early thirties, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and the thing that I'm more and more aware of is just the aggressive preponderance of kind of mental health-leaning self-fulfillment
0: uh, right. stuff
1: in yeah, the yeah. air. You know, you and I have talked about this. Like, cool. it's different in your context, where for us, like, counseling and therapy and, and psychology is... Is is kind of seen as the utmost value, like probably above yeah, pastors sure. in a lot of cases, and uh, and so no, that that's
0: that's our congregation too because that stuff is so widespread now. Okay, you know what I mean? It's oh, it's so widespread. Yeah, hundred percent. It's probably it probably doesn't go as deep as, as it does with you guys, given your your culture. But yeah, right.
1: But but so so some books that are like you know when you. When you have mental health issues, and again, that's a very vague term because that those are very diagnosable in some cases and kind of oddly, weirdly self-diagnosed in other cases. But yeah, yeah. what is the relationship between spiritual health and anxiety? The the uh, the relationship between depression and spiritual health. The relationship between yeah. physical health and spiritual health. You know, because yeah, yeah, we just because that's the other thing. You know, you look around Nashville and you're like people have people have made an idol out of physical health you know they're like like if they balance their proteins and and uh take the right vitamins and work out at just the right levels with the right sort of cycling on and off of, of whatever they're kind of at optimal health and i'm like yeah but you don't love jesus so you can't be that healthy and uh <laughs> and so that a, a a an integration of those things with the the gospel at the forefront but with due respect to the, the fact that we were created as body, mind, and soul. Yeah. Um yeah. that's 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 one where I'm like, man, you know, Ed Welsh and some of the CCF stuff is really good, but it might be a little dense for folks. Is there a way yeah. to do this that just like I think like some of the the books that the good book company has you know come out with, like Sam Albrey's Is God Anti-Gay? You know, it's like it's like a hundred pages and just crystal clear on a very particular question. Yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. For our people, is that's one where I'm like, who who can write this well that we can know, put a hundred copies question. into circulation?
0: Because you almost kind of you almost. I mean, you know, when I think about that, you know, you think about well, you know, somebody needs to have a little bit of training and background yes. and education in that. You know, that it can't just be like you and I making up stuff you know, <laughs> that may be right. partially true, that may be kind of true, but like we don't have anything to back it up with, you know. And um yeah, so no, I think that's really good actually. I I I like that. I I know I I would read that. I'll tell you that much. So
1: well, I think that's probably a good place to land this show. Uh listeners, as we sign off, don't forget that we have a live show, our last ever live show coming up on September twenty fourth. That is a Sunday. It's in Indianapolis. You can find the information at thehappyrant.com. Just hit the live show. It'll have details about the event, about tickets. We would love for you to come out that evening, be kind of our our podcast send-off. So again, thehappyrant.com, hit the live show. There's two tiers of tickets, both of which include some free swag at different levels. It would be awesome to see you out there. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time. We want to take a moment to thank the team at Life Audio for partnering with us on this podcast. Be sure to go to lifeaudio.com and take a look at the other podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing.